This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the One Verse Podcast. I think at the end of last week's podcast, I mentioned that we were moving into the topic of baptism this week, (laughs) but that would be going backwards because we already looked at baptism and some key passages from the Bible related to baptism. So if we're moving forward in the alphabet, today we're going to be studying the term book of life. What is this book? How can your name be written in this book? And most importantly, how can you make sure that your name stays written in this book? In other words, can your name be blotted out of the book of life? Lots of people have that question, and that is what we will be addressing today. Hey, I want to let you know, if you are a blogger, if you have a blog online, especially in the realm of scripture and theology, I would love to have you join me and a bunch of other Christian and theology bloggers from around the world. We're starting back up our Synchro blog. Okay, this is a bunch of bloggers, 10, 15, 20, the more the merrier. Sometimes we've had as many as 50. And every month we write about a particular topic or passage or theme all around the same topic. And uh, then we read each other's blog posts, we comment on them, we share them. And uh, we also link to everybody else's posts in our blog post. So uh, if if you're not familiar with how Google works and Bing works, these giant search engines, um, one of the key things they look for is uh, backlinks. And so just from an SEO, search engine optimization perspective, if you're looking for backlinks, this is a fantastic way uh, just to get to know other bloggers, but also (laughs) to get some backlinks for your blog if you're trying to find more readers. And uh, so we do some cross-pollination there. You know, my blog posts get exposed to your audience and your audience get exposed to mine. It's wonderful. Anyway, if that's something you're interested, just go to synchroblog.wordpress.com and uh, you can learn more about it there. Uh, there's also a Facebook page where you can, I think it's uh, Facebook Synchro Blog or something, I can't remember, but there's a link at the wordpress.com site. You can join us there, okay? I sure hope you join us if you have a blog uh, or um, you know, even if you're an author thinking of starting a blog, this would be the perfect time to start, okay? Uh, uh, thank you for, for, for considering that. Also, I should let you know, today's podcast episode is drawn from my Gospel Dictionary online course. Book of Life is one of the 52 keywords we look at inside that course. So uh, I will be only looking at one verse. We look at, I think, six or seven verses in the full lesson in the course. So uh, if you have questions or uh, want me to look at some other passages about this word, this term, then just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. You can join the discipleship area, and then you can take the course absolutely free, the Gospel Dictionary, and one of the terms is this term, Book of Life. So that's there for you as well. So let's study this phrase. What does it mean, and how can we understand some of the key, uh, key passages in the Bible that talk about the Book of Life? Uh, And the reason some people fear their name being blotted out of the book of life is because there are a few verses in the Bible which seem to indicate that this is a distinct possibility. Okay, but what we're going to learn today is that when you understand what the book of life actually is, you will also then, obviously, come to understand how, what those passages mean. 
Okay, and um, so this po this 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 uh, podcast episode is just going to look at one passage, Revelation three five. Uh, but before we do that, let's define our terms. Uh, what do we mean? What does the Bible mean when it refers to the book of life? All right, so the book of life, uh, it is a translation from the Greek phrase, uh, to biblio tes zoes, all right, uh, which, which means the book of life. Book of uh, the living is also a good translation. Okay, so the translation's fine, but what is it? Uh, what is the nature of this book? Uh, you know, what is it? How is it written? Why is it written? You know, how can you know if your name is in it? How can you know if your name is removed? Uh, what causes names to get removed? That, that sort of a thing. So, so let's try to answer some of these questions. It seems that there are three main ways that the book of life is mentioned in the Bible. All right. Uh, Psalm 69, 28 talks about the book of the living. All right. Uh, passages like Philippians 4, 3, uh, the passage we're going to look at today, Revelation 3, 5. And then there's a few other places in Revelation, uh, especially like in chapter 20, that talk about the book of life. And then there's two places in Revelation, for example, Revelation 13.8 and Revelation 21.27, which talk about the Lamb's book of life. So what is that? You know, and how does the Lamb's book of life differ from the book of life? Generally speaking, it appears that the first two phrases... Uh, the Book of the Living and the Book of Life, they're probably the same book, uh, or they refer to the same concept or same idea. And basically, the Book of Life or the Book of the Living is the book, it's some sort of, I don't know if it's an actual book, but, you know, sort of a, an accounting or a role or something, uh, you know, maybe in heaven. Again, I don't know if it's an actual book or scroll, but again, it's a picture, symbolic way of, anyway, referring to every living person on planet Earth. All right, everybody who is alive, breathing, their names are written in the book of the book of life or the book of the living. So, so right there, that is going to help you understand some passages. Like there's a place where uh, Moses tells God to blot his name out of the book of the book of life. Well, what is Moses saying there? Basically, Moses is saying, God, just kill me. I don't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> Take my name out. Kill me. Okay. So uh, that that's that that helps you understand some of those passages. Now, uh, the third phrase, this Lamb's Book of Life, this is a book which contains everybody who has life in Jesus, okay? Everybody who has eternal life. If the Book of Life is the book which contains the book of everybody who is alive, then the Lamb's Book of Life is the book which contains the names of everybody who has life in Jesus, all right? And that just makes sense based on the descriptions, and that also makes sense when you look at the passages that mention it, okay? Now, there's numerous questions about the book of life. You know, again, does it really exist? I don't know. Does it matter? You know, maybe it's just symbolic. Maybe it's some mental list that God has in his own brain about who's alive and who isn't, right? And then there's some debate about how many books there are. Is it two books, the book of life, and then the Lamb's book of life? You know, is it three books? <laughs> I've seen that. The book of life, the book of the living, and the Lamb's book of life? You know, and also there's a view, which happens to be my view. I'll explain this in just a minute, uh, which is there's just one book, okay? The Book of Life, which ultimately eventually becomes the Lamb's Book of Life. So, um, now that hasn't always been my view. My view for a long time was that there was two books, uh, the Book of Life and then the Lamb's Book of Life, and that basically when you received Jesus, when you believed in Jesus for eternal life, your, name's, your name got written in to the Lamb's Book of Life. And then when you died, your name got erased from 
the book of life. But now I just think there's one book, uh, and it begins as the book of life. Uh, with every, but when you're born, your name gets written in there. Okay, they're alive now. Again, does their name really get written in there? I don't know. Probably not. But we're using symbolism here, okay? So anyway, when you're born, your, na- your name gets written in the book of life. Now, if you receive, if you believe in Jesus for eternal life, if you've received Jesus, then we could say that uh, your name is written in the blood of Jesus or something like that. It's written with permanent ink, okay? And it can never be erased. Why not? Because even though you die, you shall live. In Jesus, you have eternal life, life that never ends, everlasting life. It, you share the life of God. And so your life will not end, and therefore you cannot be blotted out of the book of life. And what that means then is that eventually, all right, uh, when this world comes to an end, and there's a new heavens and new earth and so on, and that's just the redeemed uh, left alive uh, on, you know, living life with God in eternity. This means that the only people who will have their name written in the book of life are those who have their name written with the blood of Jesus in the permanent ink, in a sense, in, in the book of life. And so therefore, it, at that point, it will be known as the Lamb's book of life. And that's why we only read about the Lamb's book of life at the end of the book of Revelation when it is talking about the eternal state, the eternal kingdom, life with Jesus forever and ever. Okay, so that's my approach. It's one book, the Book of the Living, that eventually becomes the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Book of the Living, their names are sort of uh, penciled in or something like that. And when they die, their name is erased. They're no longer in the Book of the Living because they're dead. But if you receive the eternal life of God, life of Jesus, then your name is written in permanent ink and cannot ever be removed or blotted out. Okay, so that's the view, and that's how I think, based on that understanding, you can un- you can come to understand every passage in the Bible that talks about the book of life or the Lamb's book of life. Okay, let's look at one of these more troublesome texts, Revelation 3.5. Okay, so Revelation 3.5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. All right. Now, on a first read through, that seems to contradict everything I just said, right? Jeremy, you said that someone's name could not be blotted out of the book of life. You know, the overcomers here, who are they? Well, we assume that they're Christians, and they are. So we have these Christians whose name is written in the book of life, in the permanent ink with Jesus, can't ever be blotted out. But but Jesus, I will not blot his name out of the book of life. That seems to contradict what you taught, Jeremy. Well, let's talk about this. First of all, we need to recognize who this text is written to. It's written to the church in Sardis. And uh, Jesus does uh, talk this, uh, he calls them, he's, he's encouraging them to become overcomers. And that if they are, they'll be clothed in white garments and be blotted out of the book of life. All right. Um, So Sardis, and a lot of the the cities and towns in that culture at that time, they had citizenship rosters, uh, people who were citizens of the city. And, uh, you know, it it contained the name of the citizens. We sort of have that today with the census, but it's not exactly the same and it's hardly accurate. Uh, but basically, how this worked is when a person was born into the city, they were if they were a citizen born into a family that were citizens, then their name was written in the 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 sense the citizenship roster. And then when they died, their names were removed from the roster. And this way, the city officials could know who was citizens and who wasn't, who who uh, was a citizen of the city and who wasn't. 
Now, there were other ways to be removed from the citizenship roster. I wrote my master's thesis on the concept of honor and shame in the Mediterranean culture at the time of Jesus and the early church. And uh, here in the Western civilization, we tend to be guided more by materialism and greed and, you know, whatever I can get, the person who, who dies with the most toys wins sort of an idea. But that wasn't the way it was in the days of Jesus and Paul. In fact, not during any of the biblical times. They were guided by honor and shame. And even a lot of the Middle Eastern cultures today are the same way. So anyway, if someone behaved very shamefully and brought shame on their family or shame upon their city, then even though they were still alive, they could be blotted out of the, of the citizenship roster. All right? So, uh, and there are records, historical records of this actually happening to various citizens in Sardis. And so that's why Jesus, through the Apostle John, is writing this to the people of Sardis. Because probably around that time, it's, this had happened to somebody that they all knew about uh, in Sardis. Maybe, for all we know, it was happening to some of the Christians in Sardis because they had converted. So, so we don't know exactly, but um, that, that, that helps make sense of understanding what's going on here. So Jesus, though, he comes along and says that he will never remove the name of an overcomer from the roster. And if, to the contrary, he says, I will praise their name in the heavenly courts before God and before the angels. That's what Jesus says. So what Jesus is offering here, he says, if you are an overcomer, then I will give you great honor before God and before my angels, before the angels in, in the heavenly courts. You will receive a great honor if you faithfully serve and obey me. By the way, not all Christians are overcomers. The word overcomer uh, means someone who is dedicated and devoted and faithful servant, okay? But overcomer, by the way, is also a word I look at in the Gospel Dictionary online course, so, so I don't want to uh, spend a whole lot of time on that. But not all Christians are overcomers. Only some are. Um, but those who are not, it doesn't mean they lose their eternal life or anything like that. They just lose other benefits and blessings, such as what Jesus is talking about here, the white robe, and being praised and honored uh, before God and before his heavenly angels. All right? So, now Jesus, uh, now in, in the context then, like back in uh, verse 4, Jesus says there are a few names, a few people in Sardis who are on track for receiving this great honor. Okay? But what about those who fail? What about those who do not become an overcomer? You know, what about those who have defiled their garments and have brought shame upon Jesus and his church? Is Jesus going to blot them out of the book of life? Well, here's the answer. Jesus doesn't say anything about them. Notice there's nothing said in these verses or this context about what Jesus will or will not do to those who fail to become an overcomer. If we read the verses very carefully, Jesus says that he will greatly honor those who overcome. But that doesn't mean that he's going to shame or dishonor or kill or blot out of his book those who don't overcome. In fact, if you go even a, a little bit further uh, previous in the context, back to verse 3, he says he's going to come like a thief in the night. All right, but this doesn't mean he's going to come and kill them or take away their eternal life. He basically is just saying that the unfaithful Christians, the unfaithful servants, will not be honored in the same way that the, the faithful servants will be. All right, But that doesn't mean that the unfaithful servants are going to be cast out, killed, have eternal life removed from them, anything like that. Now, all of that helps us understand Revelation 3.5, but there's something else as well. 
And it is the figure of speech known as litotes, <laughs> okay? Very fancy uh, word for litotes. Basically, litotes, it's a figure of speech. Uh, uh, it occurs when we state uh, something positive in a negative way to emphasize the positive. It sounds confusing, but actually, we do this in our conversations all the time. Let's say you have a favorite football team. And they are having a fantastic year, and they have gone undefeated so far this year, and they're nearing the playoffs, okay? And so this coming Sunday, now not, as I'm recording this, it's not football season, but, but uh, you know, take basketball or baseball or whatever, whatever sport you're into, okay? I'm going to go with football. This coming Sunday, so one Sunday, they've been having a fantastic year, they're undefeated. This coming Sunday, they are going to play a team that hasn't won a game all season long. They're the, the bottom of the roster. All right. If I were to ask you, so do you think your team, your undefeated team, is going to win this Sunday? You could say, yes, they are going to win. I'm sure of it. Or you could say, if they play like they've been playing, they will definitely not lose. Okay. That second statement, if they play like they've been playing, they will definitely not lose. Notice, I've stated something positive. Oh, they're going to win. But I stated it in a negative way. They will definitely not lose. So that it brings more emphasis and attention to the positive point. In other words, it's probably going to be a blowout. Okay, so that's, that's how litotes works. Saying something uh, positive in a negative way to emphasize the positive. All right? So, so that's how litotes works. So um, now, notice something very, very important with litotes. Although you use a negative to emphasize the positive, that doesn't mean that the opposite is true. So let's take the football game again. Let's say that instead of playing as they have been playing all year, so the game comes and you sit down to watch the game and there's a fumble right off the bat. And then the quarterback gets up there and he throws a couple interceptions. You're like, oh, no. They're not playing the way they have been playing all year. All right? There's, there's, there's penalties, the defensive penalties, all sorts of things. Injuries. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. All right? They play an absolutely terrible game. Does that automatically mean that they will lose the game? Remember you said... If they play like they've been playing, they will definitely not lose. Well, what if they don't play like they've been playing? And in fact, you sit down and watch the game and they don't. Now they are not playing the way they've been playing all week. Does that mean they're definitely going to lose? No, not necessarily at all. They're still a good team and they're still playing one of the worst teams in the league. They very well could still win. They might just squeak out, right, with a victory. But just, if, just because they play bad, it doesn't necessarily mean they win. So again, with litotes, you're stating something positive in a negative way to emphasize the positive. But even still, the opposite of that is not necessarily true. Let me give you another example of this. What, if, uh, what would you think if you overheard a man say, If my wife makes me an apple pie... I will not stop loving her. All right. Would you assume from that statement that if the man's wife did not make apple pie, that he will stop loving her? 
No, you wouldn't. Why not? Because this is litotes, okay? Notice, first of all, he states a positive truth. If my wife makes an apple pie, I will not stop loving her. He makes a positive truth. He's going to really love her. But he states it in a negative way. I will not stop loving her to emphasize the positive. I'm really going to love her. But the opposite isn't true. If she doesn't make an apple pie, he's still going to love her, right? If she doesn't make an apple pie, he's not saying, if she doesn't make an apple pie, I'm going to stop loving her. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying anything about that at all. Okay, and so you would understand that it's a figure of speech. Um, you, you use these. Uh, probably it's not super common in the way we talk today, but you have read them and you have heard them and you have seen them and you do naturally understand them. That is how to understand the words of Jesus in Revelation 3, 5. He's saying, hey, if you are an overcomer, I will not block your name out of the book of life. Instead, I will confess your name before God and before my angels. What is he saying? He says, if you're an overcomer, I am going to honor you and glorify your name and praise you in front of God and all the angelic hosts. Oh, by the way, you're going to get a white robe too, whatever that means. <laughs> okay? So he's stating a positive truth. I will honor you. In fact, he even says here, I will confess your name. I will bless you and honor your name. That's basically what he's saying. Praise your name in front of God and the angels. He's stating the positive there as well, so that we know what he's talking about. But he states it in a negative way. I will not blot your name out of the book of life to emphasize the positive. And because of that, the opposite isn't true. If you're not an overcomer, Jesus is not saying, if you don't overcome, well, out of the book of life with you. No, he's not saying that at all. Because the opposite of litotes is not necessarily true. All right? And it's very important we understand this because there are some pastors and teachers that say, if you don't overcome, if you are not a faithful Christian, if you don't live a life of good works and obedience and perseverance and faithfulness and holiness, well, then God will blot you out of the book of life. And Revelation 3.5 preaches it, teaches that, okay? And then that's what they preach. And lots of people live in fear and they're scared. Because, oh, I don't want to be blotted out of the book of life. What if I come to the end of my life and, and you know, I have some great sin or something and then, you know, I try to serve God and follow Jesus and, and obey the Bible, but, but it's possible if I end in sin then you know, conf- unconfessed sin or unrepentant sin or whatever, then Jesus will blot me out of the book of life. And they, they read that into Revelation 3, 5 and re- Jesus is saying nothing of the sort in this passage. He is not saying that those who fail to overcome will be blotted out of the book of life. All right? Even if your football team does not play up to their ability, this does not mean they will lose the game. Even if a man's wife does not make him apple pie, this does not mean he will stop loving her. Even if a Christian fails to overcome, this does not mean their name gets blotted out of the book of life. All right? That's Revelation 3.5, and I hope you understand it. Jesus is saying here, hey, there's a book of life. And if you're an overcomer, your name's in the book. If you're an overcomer and you have eternal life, then, you know, because you believe in Jesus for it, then your name is written in permanent ink. And if you're an overcomer, far from blotting your name out of the book of life, that's not even a thought that's going to enter my mind. I will praise you and confess your name and talk about you before God and before the heavenly angels. If that's what you want, (laughs) then live like it. And that's what he goes on to talk about in the following context. Okay, so the book of life, it's a roster of the living. It's a list, a register of all living people. And it is true when a person dies, their name gets removed 
from this list. But if a person has believed in Jesus for eternal life, then their name remains in the book of life forever. And eventually, because of it is eternal life, the book of life becomes the Lamb's book of life because the only names written in it are written in the blood of the Lamb. Every name in that book will eventually belong and be identified with, be a brother or sister to Jesus Christ. All right? So look, if you have any further questions or comments about this, you can leave them in the comment section. I would love to answer those. Uh, on my blog or on Facebook or wherever you might be listening, you can just go check that out. Uh, if you're in the discipleship group, just go to uh, redeeminggod.com and you can uh, find the uh, Gospel Dictionary online course and take the lesson on the Book of Life and leave your question or comment there because uh, we can discuss that as part of the discipleship group. But I hope you found this study of the Book of Life helpful and especially this study of Revelation 3.5. Uh, and that you will never ever give in again to the fear that maybe somehow your name can be blotted out of the book of life. Revelation 3.5 isn't teaching that, and neither is any other passage in the Bible as well. And once again, remember, if you are a blogger or author who has a blog and want to join our Synchro blog, I would love to have you participate with us. The more the merrier. I always love reading and interacting with the ideas and comments from other people. Uh, in the themes or Bible passage or, or whatever it is we'll be discussing. I haven't yet decided what May's topic is. I will be discussing it probably about this time next week, so about one week from now. I'm sort of leaning towards the topic of hell, though, so uh, just to get things going with a bang. So if you want to write, present your opinion on what the Bible teaches about hell or doesn't teach about hell, um, that is probably the topic I will be choosing a week from now unless I come up with something better. So just go to synchroblog.wordpress.com and uh, read more about it there and then get ready uh, for the uh, topic announcement next week. Okay, thank you so much for listening and make sure you join us next week. I won't even try to remember off the top of my head what word will... Oh, I already know. It's Christ. We're going to be looking at the word Christ or the word Messiah from the Hebrew and uh, what that means. You might think you know what the word Christ and Messiah means. Just to give you a heads up, it's not the second name of Jesus. <laughs> okay, it, it means something else entirely. And understanding what that is helps you understand passages. So make sure you join us then. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.